Good morning, church. It's good to see those of you who are here in person, spaced out all over the room. And so thankful for those of you who are joining us on live stream. No matter where you are, thank you for participating and staying connected with us, especially in this season. A little over a decade ago, you may remember the story of the milk truck driver who drove into the Amish community, walked into a schoolhouse where a lot of girls were being taught and opened fire, killing eight young girls, eight young students in that Amish community. And in the next 24 hours, the news headlines all over the nation, even the world, as people picked up on this story, they were headlines of a mass shooting and hatred and murder. But within 48 hours, the headline shifted from mass shooting and murder to the story of forgiveness. Because what people, did, what people had, had, had trouble trying to, uh, trying, trying to articulate as they're processing the news stories and trying to share the news stories is the more they interview people in the Amish community about what had happened, the more people in that Amish community were offering forgiveness for the person who had shot and killed eight girls. So you had secular media who didn't know what to do with this story because it was no longer about murder. Now it was about forgiveness. So now the questions they were asking parents who had lost daughters and grandparents who had lost granddaughters is how are you able, how can you forgive so quickly? And which their response was, Jesus taught us to. Now, in some Amish communities, like many other religious communities, there can be forms of legalism that exist. And for Amish, in a, in a lot of Amish communities, what, what happens is when they gather in corporate worship services, for many Amish folks in Amish communities and worship services, they don't get up and lead a, a prayer where it's just a prayer from the heart, where they just kind of say or pray over the church or uh, just whatever, wherever they feel like the Lord leads. In some Amish communities and worship services, the only prayer that is prayed out loud is the Lord's Prayer which is our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the enemy. For yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory. Amen. And then the very next verse in Matthew chapter 6 is, Jesus says, If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. And if you do not forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. And the Amish take that so seriously that it's something they teach their children at a really young age, is that there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to have to forgive. So they teach them the significance and the power of forgiveness at a young age. Because sometimes if we wait until a moment happens to try to instill some teaching and try to live it out, it can be a challenge. But if this is part of the community from a very young age, then it may become, become a little more naturally. All right, so Jesus talks multiple times about forgiveness. Jesus modeled forgiveness all the way up to the cross where Jesus is willing to bless those who say uh, awful things about him, who abuse him, who put him up on a cross. Forgiveness is able to flow from him. So Peter is able to reteach what Jesus taught him. So we've been in this study now, eight, we're in eight, eight, week eight of a nine-week series in the book of First Peter that we're talking about what it means to be aliens and strangers in the world, what it means to be a different kind of people. 
And in 1 Peter chapter 3, which is where we're going to be most of this morning, in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, here's what Peter teaches the church. Because Peter's aware that many of these churches he's writing to, they're dealing with all kind of social pressure, maybe a little bit of physical pressure, but there are social consequences and economic consequences and challenges these people are facing in the churches. So he's writing to remind them of what it means to follow God and to stay committed to Jesus no matter what. And one thing Peter wants is Peter wants people to realize that Jesus didn't just save you to change your status from unsaved to saved or lost to found. Peter is deeply concerned about the quality of disciple you are becoming. Peter wants people to know you are on a journey of becoming more like Christ and maturing and growing. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter shares something that maybe this isn't word for word how Jesus taught it, but this is the principle. And what he says is this, do not repay evil with evil. And do not repay insult with insult, or some of your versions, abuse for abuse. And mostly Peter's talking here about social verbal slander, verbal mistreatment that is coming for people. Don't you repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, instead, you repay evil with blessing. Repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So for Peter, you inherit a blessing, inherit a blessing from God today? Then you learn to live a new kind of ethic. An ethic that doesn't work well for any national security of any country in the world, but an ethic that works really well for the church and the people of God. That you don't repay hatred for hatred or evil for evil, but you you live live a different kind of way. And this is extremely hard. I remember back in college, my junior year, I lived with uh, four guys or five of us living in a house Casey lived in a house where there were five girls living there. Next to them was a house of four or five girls. And, and a lot of us ran in the same circle. And, and my house got into a, a prank war with not Casey's house, but another house with a lot of girls. And it started real small. I mean, it started like with you toilet paper or, or you know, rolling a house. And then they rolled your house. And then somehow we would get a hold of their car keys. And we would move their cars at night. Like go park their car down the street or turn it around in the in the uh, driveway or something like that. And then they would do things back at us. And then our, our house ended up stealing the uh, trampoline in their backyard. And we ended up giving it back. But they looked out there and there's no trampoline. And a few days later, they had stolen the dog out of our backyard. They ended up giving the dog back. But it just went back and forth, back and forth. And I lived with the guy. He was actually the guy who lived in my room. Who He was a big hunter and turkey season came. So he went and he killed him a turkey. And he, he took the turkey claw and put it in an envelope and sent it to the girl's house. So they opened the envelope and boom, there's a, a turkey claw. And a couple of weeks go by and brownies showed up at our house. Now, there were a lot of sweets in our home. Most of us, uh, I mean, we had uh, all kind of meals and people coming in and out of our place. So there were cakes and cookies and brownies. And so there was no, we had brownies show up quite a bit. So we started eating these brownies. And we're a day or two in to the brownies when we took a knife to cut into the brownie. And we hit something hard and you couldn't cut through it. And they had cooked the turkey claw in the brownies that they gave us. And most of us know how this goes somehow, some way. I mean, it's just like someone does something to you and you do something back and it just keeps going and, and maybe it's playful, but we can also think of times in the world when it's not playful. 
You say something about somebody and somebody says something about you. Somebody posts something on your Facebook wall. You want to post something on their Facebook wall. And, and it's called, it, it turns into what some people call relational ping pong. Relational pong. Where it just goes back and forth, back and forth. And where does it stop? Because retaliation is easy. Learning to live a different kind of way is hard. Now, even at this point, some of you are watching right now and you're thinking, I wish I would have heard this message and what you're talking about right now two months ago prior to some of the back and forth that has gone on in many of our lives over the last few weeks. And Peter's writing to encourage and to equip the church. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, what Peter says is, finally, all of you. All right, finally, everybody, listen up. Now in chapter 2, what Peter did is Peter started talking about relationships. And the first relationship he addressed were citizens, which involved everyone. You're citizens of the Roman Empire. And, and Peter's writing to encourage all citizens to behave in a certain kind of way. To commit your life to good deeds. And then Peter talks about a couple of specific relationships. Where Peter talks about household slaves who are most likely living in homes where masters are not believers. And then he also addresses wives of unbelieving husbands. So he's writing to women who've come to know Jesus, but their husbands really don't want anything to do with Christianity and don't understand why their wives would want to either. And then he spends one verse talking to husbands. So he talks to slaves, then he talks to wives, a little bit to husbands. But now Peter says, all right, finally, all of you, everybody, Married people, single people, old people, young people, Jews, Gentiles, everybody listen up. And he's going to call them to five principles about behavior. Be like-minded. Some of your versions, uh, it's unity of spirit. Be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be tender-hearted. Some of your versions, it's compassionate. Be humble, humble-minded. Peter goes through all five of these. Like, finally, all of you, be like-minded. This doesn't mean that you, everybody needs to think the same thing about everything. It's that we understand, even in some of our differences, we're going to have mutual respect for each other. Sympathetic is, it, it taps into emotions. And I know some of you don't do emotions very well. You don't feel very well. But sympathetic is that I am willing to feel and to experience with other people. So you be like-minded. You be sympathetic. You love one another. And this is not agape love right here. This is the sibling kind of love. This is a love that a community, a family, a church is meant to, to have for one another. And then he talks about uh, being tender-hearted. This is the word that deri it derives from a word intestine. So a lot of times we talk about loving from the heart or that your heart is broken. And here or back then a lot of times they would talk about you love from your gut. Like deep down where the emotions live. Deep down you love from that place. And then humble-minded. Humility. Which, to model the way of Jesus when it comes to humility, is you always place other people before yourself. Uh, so right now, for those in person and those at home, as you look at the screen and you see these five adjectives, these, these five words or phrases that Peter deals with, how are you doing with, with each one of these? And maybe you shouldn't ask this, how are you doing? But the people closest to you, when they think about you're doing with those, how would they say you're doing? Because sometimes we look at stuff like this in the Bible and we're like, yeah, I mean, that just sounds really, that's too lovey-dovey. But that doesn't work in an adult world. 
But these are principles Peter comes back to over and over and over again. He thinks this is what it means for the church to be the church and for the church to have a witness in the world. And then it's right after that that Peter says in chapter 3, verse 9, Don't you repay evil for evil or insult with insult or abuse for abuse, but you repay with a blessing. Most people in that church would have known, especially in the Old Testament, the person who blessed other people was a priest. The priest would offer blessing. But now that Peter talks about the priesthood of all believers, Peter is saying that everyone who's been baptized into Christ, whether you have status in the world or not, you have what it takes inside of you because the Spirit of God lives in you, that you have what it takes to offer blessing to others in the world. That's remarkable. This is hard. This is hard for us. When Casey and I first moved into Binghampton, we had a neighbor that we got to know fairly well. And there was one Saturday morning we woke up and this neighbor was in a shouting match with one of her friends. It was right outside of our window, so we heard the whole thing escalate. It started that one person, this other friend, had done something to her she didn't like. So she yelled at her. The person yelled back. Then they started calling each other names. Then after they called each other names, one pushed the other. And next thing we know, they're in a, I mean, they're in a brawl right outside of our window. And Casey's just waking up because it woke her up. And Casey said, Josh, you've got to go, you got to go do something. Now, I used to take great pride back in middle school and high school breaking up fights at school. And I've broken up a number of guy fights. But I learned early on, you do not break up girl fights. Because girls don't fight by rules. Like Guys at least play by some rules. They punch, they may kick, they push a little bit. That's it. Girls have no rules. And we see how things escalate. We're sometimes in life, the way it works is somebody posts on your Facebook wall, you post on theirs. They talk about your mom, you talk about their mom. They say something about your people, you say something about their people. They punch you, you punch them. They kill one of yours, you kill one of them. They bomb us, we bomb them. And this is how it works in almost every level of relationships in our world. And Jesus comes and models a different way. And Peter thinks this is, so, this is the right thing to do. This is the right way to live. So Peter wants to teach. He wants to teach and help these people to live by a different ethic. Leslie Mack is a woman who, um, she's been a part of the Orange group in the past, which they write a lot of curriculum for uh, children's ministry and for youth. And I was listening to a podcast the other day, and Leslie Mack says that her and her team often think about four different ways to teach. There are four different ways that people can teach others, especially in a faith-based church-type setting. And one way we teach is like candy. It's sweet. Most people enjoy it. It tastes good. It's not going to make you healthy. It's probably not going to help you mature in life. And there are times, especially with children, when we teach, it's, it's like candy that we're offering up. We want to help draw people in. We want people to pay attention a little bit, and sometimes candy's how you do it. And then she talks about how there's vitamins. And vitamins, have, they're supposed to have more of a long-term effect, long-term impact. So sometimes we teach like vitamins that we want to go a little deeper. We want to give people some substance that you go deeper in your faith, deeper in the gospel, understanding what it means for you to be a certain kind of quality of a disciple. So there's vitamins that we take. And then she talks about how sometimes we teach like medicine. And the way this works is there are problems sometimes 
or issues within a church we've got to address? Or is the church wants to be a witness to the world? There are things going on in the world that we've got to speak into. And there's medicine that is, sometimes it takes medicine to speak into it. And she argues that we're like a family. The Bible calls the church a family. That just like I want to raise my kids to where true and Noah, I try to tell them there's nothing that you cannot come to and talk to your mom and I about. The church should be the same way. And years from now, when we reflect back on 2020, we're not just going to think about COVID-19 and coronavirus, and we're not just going to think about it being a heated political season. When we think back to 2020, there are some names that are going to go along with it too, like Breonna Taylor or Ahmaud Arbery or George Floyd. Like there are certain names and issues that have happened in 2020 that when we reflect back, we will process it. There's candy when it comes to teaching, vitamins, medicine. And then Leslie Mack also talks about poison. And sometimes it can be too much of a vitamin or medicine that can cause poison. And sometimes it can be a church that's learning how to do life with itself well, yet the way they live out the message in the world is like poison. Or it's also possible for a church to be so servant-hearted, but they aren't focusing on unity in the body where it can be like poison. And the Bible talks about there being false teachers and, and teachers who, whether intentionally or not, can sometimes offer up truth or practices that aren't in alignment with who God is. And Peter does a little bit of that, trying to warn against poison. And maybe Peter does a little bit of candy, but mostly throughout First Peter, Peter's trying to offer up vitamins and medicine. Vitamins that help people go deeper. Long-term impact, long-term effect in the church. And also medicine, that there are issues the churches are facing. And Peter's trying to properly equip them. Like, here's what it means for you to live this out in the world. And this is why Peter keeps coming back to some of the same teachings. Maybe saying them just a little differently. So if you turn the page in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, what Peter says is the end of all things is near. Like he just talked about conversion and about the power of God over evil, and now the end of all things is near. And it just could have been a way for Peter to like mail it in, like the end of all things is near. Jesus is coming back soon, so cross your fingers, hold on tight, don't mess up in life. But that's not what Peter does. The end of all things is near, so Peter wants this to create an urgency in the church if you believe Jesus is coming back soon, it should not cause you to play it safe. It, 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 should, it should ignite urgency in us to live a certain kind of way so that other people may know. So this urgency calls for unity in the church and for the mission of God, for the church to be fully involved in the mission of God. And the way Peter says, the end of all things is near. So here are a few things that the church should do. Therefore, be alert. Right? Be sober in your mind. So that your prayers aren't impacted by that. So you're able to connect with God in deep, meaningful ways. Above all, love each other deeply. And this one is agape love. It's not the same love from Philippians 3 verse 8, or 1 Peter 3, 8. This is agape love, deep covenant love. For love covers over a multitude of sins. And then you offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Which especially in the early church, hospitality was huge. You needed a house to have public worship. To take care of one another. So he lays out between chapter 3 and chapter 4 over 10 principles of behavior. Because Peter cares about the kind of quality of disciples people are. And throughout 1 Peter, 
Peter is elevating behavior, not putting on the, on the same level as belief, but wanting the church to understand how you behave is almost just as important as what you believe. Because you can believe all the right things about God, yet behave in a way in the world where it doesn't make any difference at all. And you can behave in some ways without having all your beliefs right that honor the goodness of God in the world. Peter wants the church, no matter where you go, you behave in a way where people who are close to you know that you have given your life over to Jesus and those who don't know you very well will be able to bear witness that there was something different in that person. They live differently in the world. Whatever was in them, I want a little bit of that because whatever was in them seemed to bring a kind of peace and a joy that I can't even explain. Peter wanted the church to live in a kind of way where they could articulate their faith, but that they also knew that you can argue with people all day long about your faith, and it may end up winning a few people to Jesus. But by the church behaving in a way that lines up with who God is, masses can be won to Jesus. Because Peter knows what I think we should know too, that we do know. That a lot of people in the world aren't going to care what we have to say if they don't know we care. A few years ago, uh, Casey and I took a trip out to the West Coast, and it was on a Saturday night that we were flying home, and I was supposed to preach on a Sunday morning. And our flight was delayed multiple times, and we, we landed late on a Saturday night, and they couldn't open the door on the plane for some reason, so we were stuck on the plane for like another hour. And then we got off the plane, we went to baggage claim, and then they came and they told us that somehow they couldn't open up the door to get our luggage off the plane. There was going to be a couple more hours that we should probably call the service line to make some appointment for luggage to be brought to us the next day. All right, so this is already, I mean, if you've, I mean, hours have already gone by. I had to preach the next morning, so we're already, especially me, I was already pretty upset. Now, we had a friend who dropped our car off at the airport and locked our key in the car, and we didn't think this through because we had our keys, but they were in the luggage that was now locked on the airplane. So now we don't have a vehicle. So we call up a friend who an hour away is going to drive to the airport and pick us up. And now I don't have anything to wear the next day to preach. And I'm not in a very good mood to preach either. So I call the service line that night to talk to this woman or whoever it is who was going to answer. To give them an address to figure out a time for them to drop luggage off the next day. And I was pretty aggravated and angry. But as I called the number, I felt the Lord say, you better treat this person on the other line as somebody who's made in the image of God because don't you treat her in a certain way and then wake up tomorrow morning and go try to preach a story about the Good Samaritan, which is what I was going to preach on the next morning. So this woman answered the phone and I said, ma'am, I just got to ask a question. I bet most people you talk to are pretty upset. She said, yes, they are. I said, I was pretty upset too. And you're probably a woman I will never meet. I don't know your name. I don't know where you live. And I don't know if you're a believer in Jesus or not, but I said, I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus. In fact, I'm a minister, and tomorrow morning I'm preaching a story called The Good Samaritan. Do you, have you ever heard that story? She said, maybe. So we ended up retelling the story of The Good Samaritan to each other. And I don't know what ended up happening with this woman the rest of her life, and I was able to express 
and the share, how we were going to get our luggage back. But I know in your life this week, it may not be service calls that you're on, but you're going to have moments when you're irritated, moments when emotions, you feel like you're walking on eggshells. And this week, you may not think you're going to have a lot of opportunities to shine the light of Christ. But God's going to open doors for the people in the life of this church multiple times throughout this week. And just from a few verses this morning, may God root our hearts and our minds and prepare us now to behave in a certain kind of way, even when it's hard. I want to ask the church, even those of you who may, if you're able to, wherever you are, if you're able to stand, will you please stand? And I just want to end this message by speaking a word of blessing over you. As people in this church stand, I want to remind you, after this worship service, we will have an elder in room 100 to receive you for prayer. If there's anything we can do for you, just write out this room to the right. For those of you online, if you go to our website, sycamoreview.org, we have a connect card, and we invite you and those who are here in person to go on and fill out that card. There are a lot of different ways that you could check boxes and have responses, and we would love to, to follow up with you. And now will you join me, or will you close your eyes and bow your heads, and maybe open your hands where you are, just receive from the Lord. I just want to speak this blessing over you. Like good stewards of the grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received from God. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. And the church said, amen. Let's sing together.